you'd remain standing for our scripture reading, which comes this morning from the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, chapter 25, verses 14 through 42. One of Nabal's servants told his wife Abigail, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he just yelled at them. But the men were very good to us and didn't mistreat us. Nothing of ours went missing the whole time we were out with them in the fields. In fact, the whole time we were with them watching our sheep, they were a protective wall around us both day and night. Think about that and see what you can do, because trouble is coming for our master and his whole household. But he's such a despicable person, no one can speak to him. Abigail quickly took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep ready for cooking, five seahs of roasted grain, 100 raisin cakes, and 200 fig cakes. She loaded all this on donkeys and told her servants, go on ahead of me. I'll be right behind you, but she didn't tell her husband Nabal. As she was riding her donkey going down the trail on a hillside, David and his soldiers appeared, descending toward her, and she met up with them. David had just been saying, what a waste of time guarding all this man's stuff in the wilderness so that nothing of his went missing. He has repaid me with evil instead of good. May God deal harshly with me, David, and worse still, if I leave alive one single male belonging to him come morning. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and fell face down before him, bowing low to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, put the blame on me, my master, but please let me, your servant, speak to you directly. Please listen to what your servant has to say. Please, my master, pay no attention to this despicable man, Nabal. He's exactly what his name says he is. His name means fool, and he is foolish. But I myself, your servant, didn't see the young men that you, my master, sent. I pledge, my master, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, that the Lord has held you back from bloodshed and taking vengeance into your own hands. But now let your enemies and those who seek to harm my master be exactly like Nabal. Here is a gift which your servant has brought to my master. Please let it be given to the young men who follow you, my master. Please forgive any offense by your servant. The Lord will definitely make an enduring dynasty for my master because my master fights the Lord's battles and nothing evil will be found in you throughout your lifetime. If someone chases after you and tries to kill you, my master, then your life will be bound up securely in the bundle of life by the Lord your God, but he will fling away your enemies' lives as from the pouch of a sling. When the Lord has done for my master all the good things he has promised you, And has installed you as Israel's leader. Don't let this be a blot or burden on my master's conscience. That you shed blood needlessly. Or that my master took vengeance into his own hands. When the Lord has done good things for my master. Please remember your servant. David said to Abigail. Bless the Lord God of Israel who sent you to meet me today. And bless you and your good judgment. For preventing me from shedding blood and taking vengeance into my own hands today. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord God of Israel lives, the one who kept me from hurting you, if you hadn't come quickly and met up with me, there wouldn't be one single male left come morning. Then David accepted everything she had brought for him. Return home in peace, he told her. Be assured that I've heard your request and have agreed to it. When Abigail got back home to Nabal, he was throwing a party fit for a king in his house. Nabal was in a great mood and very drunk. So Abigail didn't tell him anything until daybreak. In the morning when Nabal was sober, his wife told him everything. Nabal's heart failed inside him and he became like a stone. 
About 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Bless the Lord who has rendered a verdict regarding Nabal's insult to me and who kept me, his servant, from doing something evil. The Lord has brought Nabal's evil down on his own head. Then David sent word to Abigail, saying that he would take her as his wife. When David's servants reached Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to you so that you can become his wife. She bowed low to the ground and said, I am your servant, ready to serve and wash the feet of my master's helpers. Then Abigail got up quickly and rode on her donkey with five of her young women going with her. She followed David's messengers and became his wife. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. Before I begin this morning, um, and I know I put it in the stewardship letter this past week, but I just wanted to let all of you know and to ask you to please pay attention over the next couple of months. Uh, we've had a roof claim pending for a year and a half, or a year and a half, a year and a half, and you know how it works, but it's finally getting done. And so um, I'm just going to ask you to please pay attention as you're driving in the church uh, parking lot um, for equipment, for stuff flying off the roof, you know, especially on weekends. Some, you know, we just don't know. And so as you're walking around the facility and the property, as you're driving in and out of the parking lot, please pay attention and it'll all just be done and it'll be wonderful. If you need to use the porta pots in the back, go right ahead. They're clean. Um, <clears throat> I will say they did at first put them out front under the cross tower. And uh, <laughs> I had a lovely conversation asking those to get moved. And it all worked out. But, um, but please pay attention the next couple, we couple months. It's going to take almost two months. They're going to do everything except this room and the, and the chapel basically. And so it's a great blessing. It's a great inconvenience. But, you know, I just am asking everyone to please be careful. Right, so this morning we're going to be taking some time, as you all know, and we're going to be looking at some of the other faithful women from the Bible as we read about them in the Old and New Testaments. Today we're going to remain in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, which we also looked at last week as we looked at the story of Hannah, who was Samuel's mom. To set up the story as we talk about it, in 1 Samuel, the story of Abigail occurs in a period of the Old Testament where we have to think about it. Okay, so Saul has been anointed king of Israel by Samuel. Saul has acted in a way that was contrary to God's wishes, and so God has told Samuel to anoint a young man named David to be the king. So now we have two people at this time who have both been anointed king of Israel. Saul is still the king. David is going to be the king, but, here's the, but Saul's still the king. And so Saul know, knows of David's anointing. Saul's decided that David is a threat. And so what he's decided to do is that if he eliminates David, he can preserve the kingship for himself and then also for his children and for his succession. And so Saul is pursuing David in the wilderness. David has 600 men with him in the wilderness of Maon. If you can see on the map, Maon is that red dot. You can kind of see it's the southern portion of Israel to the right on the map. That uh, body of water is the Dead Sea. And also the, the Jordan River, you could see it. Oh, whoa. Whoa. That's cool. Okay. As Roselle had shared, um, in Maon was a man named Nabal. 
He was a wealthy man. He had a large number of sheep and of goats in his flocks. And so 1 Samuel 25 tells us a couple of things that I didn't read in the first portion of the book. It tells us that Nabal's name meant fool. And the second thing it tells us was, quote, he was a hard man who did evil things. Nabal was married to a woman named Abigail who was an intelligent and an attractive woman. That's what the scripture says. So Nabal is wealthy. He owns many animals. He had many servants. He had everything else that you can imagine. And so the scripture sets up his story to tell us that he is not someone who is inclined to look out for the welfare of others. He had one person that he looked out for and that was himself. And so during this time, David has fled into the wilderness with his men. And during his time in the wilderness, David and his troops have come into contact with Nabal's flocks. They've come in contact with his shepherds and with his servants. However, here's what happens is David has instructed his troops to protect Nabal's flocks rather than taking from them. And so they may have been in the area at the same time, but they made sure that they were not stealing animals or other supplies from Nabal. In fact, one of Nabal's shepherds, when he came and gave the report of what had happened to Abigail, actually said, night and day they, meaning David's soldiers and troops, were a wall around us the whole time while we were herding our sheep near them. And so what the shepherd is saying is they benefited, right, from David being there and from his soldiers being there. They knew that they were there, but they also recognized that David and his troops didn't take anything, but they also benefited because they provided additional protection that those who would have attempted to steal from the flocks might have done. So basically what the shepherd was saying, what the servant was saying to Abigail is that not only did they not steal from us, but we also benefited it in an even greater way. And so at shearing time, David has heard that Nabal has come out to the place where the shearing has occurred. He knew that Nabal would have brought food, you know, associated with shearing, food and drink and supplies and, and things to, to celebrate when they were done with all of his workers. And so David sent some men to Nabal saying, when you get to Nabal, greet him for me. Say this to him, peace to you, your household and all that is yours. I've heard that you are now shearing sheep. As you know, your shepherds were with us in the wilderness. We didn't mistreat them. Moreover, the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs went missing. As your servants, they will tell you the same. So please receive these young men favorably because we've come on a special day. Please give whatever you have on hand to your servants and to your son David. So basically what David is doing is he's asking for a gift of food out of the supplies that Nabal has brought for the shearing, basically because nothing has become missing, because Nabal's benefited from him being there, but Nabal's answer was only thinking of himself, when basically he scoffs and he says, who's David? As he lumps David in with any other servant of King Saul, he talked about how David was a servant that had fled his master. He said, why would I give anything to servants that have fled their master? He wasn't going to give anything to David because Nabal was only willing to think about his situation. Right, so where is I read the scripture where I think Nabal got himself in trouble, 
was not the rejecting of sending supplies to David, but I think the way he said it, by belittling David, by saying, who is this person, by saying, why does this matter, by saying, who cares? When the servants took that message back, they were infuriated, and in turn, David became infuriated himself. And so David told his men, he told 400 of them, the scripture tells us, to strap on their swords and to go while leaving another 200 to stay and defend their camp. Well, we read earlier in the scripture where David said as he was walking, God strike me down or God punish me or, or God do what you're going to do if by tomorrow morning there is not any man living in Nabal or his camp, any male See, David's going and he's planning on doing great evil. He's planning on offering and delivering a, a retribution that he feels, feels is appropriate or necessary. But here's where our faithful person comes into play. Because Abigail, the servants came to her. Remember, she was intelligent and good-looking. And when she was shared her husband's response, she could only imagine what David's response was going to be. So without asking her husband, she gathered gifts of bread and of cakes, of meat and of wine. She loads them on animals and sends them ahead and then sets out herself to intercept David and his men before they can descend on the camp and all of their flocks. See, she anticipated what was going to happen. And the clash between David and Nabal, it was brewing, it was coming. It's like two bulls in the same pasture. They're getting ready. And so she acts, didn't she? And when she came in contact with David, as many of the graphics you'll see on the screen, there's lots of different artists that have painted this, this very inter interaction. She bowed before David and she didn't just say, I'm sorry, please forgive my master, but she took upon herself all of the blame, everything that had happened, all of it. And she doesn't defend Nabal. She doesn't make excuses for his rejection of David, for his condescension, for her, the way that, that her husband treated his messengers. Instead, she just says, please, my master, pay no attention to this despicable man, Nabal. He's exactly what his name says he is. His name means fool, and he's foolish. But I myself, my, your servant, didn't see the young men that your master sent. See, she, takes, she asks for forgiveness. And she accepts the blame of that which is not even hers to accept. She offers David the food and gifts, and then she begs that, that Nabal be left alone and that David not commit an act of, of great vengeance or of evil, and that God be the one that deal with the whole situation. See, because Abigail feared God. She feared what would happen when David entered the camp and, and slaughtered Nabal and all of the rest. She knew that Samuel had anointed David. She knew that David was the next chosen king. She knew that God was going to be working through David and that God had blessed him and that any actions against David could also be perceived as actions against God. And see, to his credit, David looked and saw God working through Abigail And so as he heard her words, he knew that, that as he descended to this camp from his wilderness hideout, 
that his anger and his own fury was burning. And so David accepted the gifts that she brought, and he returned with his troops to camp. And Abigail, in turn, returned to their camp and found her husband too drunk to even talk to. So she waited until the next day to tell him what had been avoided. But see, here's where her story, I think, is important for us to look at. It's because she was willing to take a risk. And she was willing to go and to humble herself even over something that was not responsible to her, that was not due to her. And she saved the day. And it's not necessarily the fact that she went to David that saved the day, but it was the way that she approached David that saved the day. As she reproached with with humility and with respect, she approached with an attitude and a willingness to to take responsibility for what had happened. And while Nabal was focused on how he was going to be affected or even what he was going to have to give up, Abigail was willing to look at the larger picture and see what might happen. See, Nabal asked the question, how am I impacted? How might I benefit? See, he was perfectly willing to allow David and his soldiers to protect his flocks, wasn't he? Because it didn't cost him anything. He was more than happy to to benefit knowing that, that their presence in the wilderness is what was keeping other raiders away. And he, was, he benefited and he was happy at that. But he took offense at David asking for anything. Well, so clearly Nabal was in the wrong. But see, as I read the scripture, I think David in a way was kind of in the wrong too. I think he was looking at this situation in a similar way. Although obviously on the opposite side. He'd made sure that his men had not stolen any of the animals. He made sure that no raiders or others were able to come and make off with any of these animals or supplies. David made sure that his own men did not steal supply themselves. They did not, um, you know, antagonize or do anything towards Nabal's shepherds or servants. And so he made a request that I think he saw was an appropriate concession for what they had done and a recognition of what they had done. I think he thought it was owed him, didn't he? It was due to him. I've done all this for you. I mean, you didn't ask for it. I mean, it's like your child doing work that you haven't asked them to do and then wanting payment. Or someone else, right? But see, here's where Nabal and David's responses were, diff- were similar. Because both looked at what they were either missing or would lose out on and both of them according to the response of the other were pointed toward conflict that probably would have resulted in the death of Nabal all the men that were with him and who knows what else but fortunately Abigail saw a different situation she saw the risk of her husband's response to the request by David she saw the risk of what David might do When he heard what her husband had said, she saw that much more could happen and would happen and many more would be impacted. And so she focused on the way that she might be able to bring peace rather than what we see was coming. Abigail was willing to humble herself. She was willing to take a risk and go and she was willing to to look at the larger picture. 
And because of that, we see how her life was saved and how the lives of all of those who were with Nabal were saved. She sought peace even knowing what could happen. One of the areas in Abigail's story that that we might look at and ask ourselves is how we as followers of Jesus pursue that same peace. We might ask of, of what ways that we can humble ourselves and offer respect and grace to others so that Christ can be proclaimed. So that our lives will be known for what God is doing and for what God says through our words through our actions, and through our deeds. See, Paul wrote about what a follower of Christ is to do. When he was writing to the church in Philippi in the book of Philippians chapter 2, he writes, Don't do anything for selfish purposes, but with humility think of others as better than yourselves. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out for, for what is better for others. Adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with God as something to exploit. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and by becoming like human beings. When he found himself in the form of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, friends, That's the Christ we worship, and that's the Christ that we celebrate this morning. As we could see the actions of Abigail and see how how she offered herself in humility, in taking a risk, and and in doing so, avoiding something that we know was going to be much worse. And that's the same humility that Christ offered himself on the cross. For he gives us the opportunity to avoid And to seek a place in his presence that is far different than the path of sin would take us on.